You come back with Fritos and bologna every time. <laughs> no, like, I have a, everything else. I'm not trusted with the, I have a specific <laughs> list. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Harry. How are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's the um, dog days of summer, right, Biscuit? Hot girl summer is slowly coming to an end, as all good things must. I got to say, Jen and I are a little upset because we thought you would be in your uh, rodeo clown gear. And you could ask Katie <laughs> if there was an extra spot in the next uh, <laughs> marketing commercial. Well, I mean, I'm not far from it. <laughs> I'm just missing the fingerless gloves. <laughs> They're, They're on the inside. Yeah, they're over there. So what's been shaken this week? Uh, well, Modelo is added again. A Grupo Modelo is added again, uh, filing suit against Modelo Reserva because uh, who knew you had to make sure that you could use the word tequila on products. <laughs> who knew that the Mexican government had to approve that? Um, so is that so what happened to the other lawsuit about was it still going? Yeah. The seltzer, Corona seltzer. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. They're just a, a pain in the neck for constellation right now. I mean, pretty much any innovation they're going to do. seems like how these lawsuits turn out, they're just going to have to run it by Grupo first. Yeah. Per their sub-license agreement. But uh, what I thought was interesting about this is that in the Corona deal, they're seeking damages and they're not seeking damages in this one. They just are seeking an injunction. But I mean, those were Modelo Reserva. They're barely getting off the ground. They're just in test markets anyway. So, but I'm sure yeah. Constellation will fight it anyway. Yeah. I mean, so, and that's my, my, my question. Is this a dick move? <laughs> just is AB, in other words, are they just being dicks or, is this kind of a legitimate complaint? Um, I mean, if the Corona thing hadn't have come first, the, the fact that the Corona thing came first makes it look like they're just trying again, right? Yeah. But if Constellation really didn't seek approval to use, you know, tequila, which obviously has a certain provenance in Mexico, it's very closely guarded. If they didn't do that, which the suit alleges they didn't, I mean... Why do they think they can get away with that, you know? Well, I mean, but, Constellation's always, you know, they shoot from the hip and then ask questions later type company, you know, ask for what, ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Yeah. Yeah. We, we clearly saw that in that Mexican brewery that they started building without permits or, what, you know, without, the, right. they, they had, you know, they laid all the groundwork and then, sorry, you can't build a brewery there. Yeah. Well, back to your question, though, Harry, on it being a dick move. I mean, let's face it, between Bud Light Lime, Bud Light Seltzer, Bud Light Rita's, I mean, heritage in preserving, you know, the history of this brand is not <laughs> of the utmost importance, you know? Yeah, so, so, so you're saying dick move. That's what I, mean, seemed- I mean, listen, there's a business reason for everything. I get it. But I'm just saying, like, this isn't like they're worried about diluting the brand. It's really just we're just want to be dicks to our competitors, which is fine. I mean, you know, 
<laughs> I just want to be clear <laughs> on, on what we're dealing with here. You should um, ask old Bill Newlands, Harry, or save I, Oh, I'm sure Bill thinks it's a dick move. Oh, I'm right? sure he does. <laughs> so, all right, well, let's let, uh, we got Kate, we got, what is that? Oh, it's somebody knocking at the door. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we've upgraded our. <laughs> Who could it be? Well, if it isn't Katie Bill Brown. Katie, how, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. This is, of course, Katie Beal Brown with Ranch Water, uh, Lone River Ranch Water, and uh, recently purchased by uh, Diageo. And uh, you know, Katie, I mentioned in the in the uh, in my email last night. You know, you you just you just launched a new cash national ad TV ad campaign. Yeah, I happened to be in a bar watching baseball. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. And I looked up and I saw, and there was no sound, but I saw the ad. I was like, oh my gosh, that's rain, you know, the Lone River. And I guarantee you, every person in that bar stared at that ad, even though there's no sound, just because it's a beautifully shot ad. So, I mean, and what a crazy coincidence. I know. I know. I don't even want, I don't even like to know that it's airing during times that uh, people are watching. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, t- tell us about the filming of the ad, I, you know, and then I'll, I'll let, I know Jen Dorn want to ask you real business, like <laughs> value add questions, but I just want to, can you give us a little color? Cause they filmed this on your family's ranch in in West Texas, right? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to say too, so excited about the podcast. Um, I've probably been one of your a uh, few listeners throughout <laughs> the course of the podcast, but it's been really fun. I feel like I've learned a lot from a lot of different people across the industry and um, I've really enjoyed it. I do. Um, <laughs> I was wondering about the decision to make it a daily podcast. I feel like that was probably a pretty big undertaking. <laughs> but, well, it's funny. I regret it, that now, but uh, it, it it's funny you say that, that uh, Katie, we had a company meeting yesterday and we decided to call it a every other day podcast from now on. <laughs> and you can see we've been drifting from, we went from five days to four days to three <laughs> days. So we're going to try and keep it to two to three days, but yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I could sign up for that. That's a lot of work. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome listening. And um, I guess just to get into a little bit about our campaign. So um, first, I mean, it was really fun for me because I come from an advertising background and I worked at, um, you know, a a famous agency in New York called Anomaly. And that was my last job before um, going on to do Lone River. And so it was really cool because we actually hired them um, to, you know, kind of create the campaign with us. And so it was fun going back to my old team and really digging in on the idea and how to bring this to life. And um, also just getting all of them and even the Diageo team out to far West Texas for the first time. Um, I tried to warn them beforehand, like it's very remote. Uh, so wear shoes that you don't care about. And I don't know what the restaurant situation is going to be like. So yeah. we'll probably have to plan ahead. Um, and there's going to be a lot of driving involved. Um, and so I, I don't think even once they got there, I think they were like, what in the world have I signed up for? Um, Cause we were basically hiking around, uh, in these remote areas. Um, but it was really fun. I mean, 
it was just so cool to be out on the ranch and see this all come to life out there. And uh, it certainly came with some challenges like um, a torrential downpour with some hail. <laughs> we had some trucks wow. get stuck and all kinds of things. But um, I guess the uh, the ironic part of that is that West Texas is part of one of the biggest deserts in North America. And it's been in a drought for you know decades. But my grandfather said this summer they've got more rain than they have in 15 years. So we actually ended up um, one of the concerns in the beginning was, are we going to be able to actually film a river that looks like a river? Because uh, they're all, you know, there's not a lot of water out there. But because of all the rain, there were these huge flowing rivers that you would never really see in the area. So we uh, got our lone river. <laughs> you got your lone. That's awesome. And is there a little bit of the See, now I'm speaking like what I would do. Is there a little <laughs> bit of saying Freud, like going back to your old agency and going back to your hometown and saying, Look what I did to, you know, to your enemies growing up and, you know, look, look at me. Look, at, look how do you like I mean, me now? A little bit of that, to be honest. I, I mean, I feel like it was more for me just like the comfort of knowing we were under such tight timing and we had to really execute this. Um, and so just knowing that it was people I could trust and um, yeah. that kind of understood what we were doing. But um yeah, I mean, it certainly has been fun to get a few pats on the back along the way. <laughs> right. Well, you did it. I mean, two years really, and and because I, you know, I remember early on you were starting to get traction, and at HEB and and Flint Pruitt called me from Benny Keith and said, you know, you ought to talk to this Katie Beal Brown. I think this brand has legs, and so you know, the, and then of course I. I think I passed it on to Jen and she went on vacation and then we just forgot about it. And I think I had to, I think, I think Flint called me again. It was like, why didn't you call her? And anyway, <laughs> I'm glad we finally hooked up and it's been such a great success. So I'll pass it off uh, to, to the real editors to, to ask some real questions. <laughs> hey, Katie. Hi guys. So I know this campaign is going to change uh, a whole bunch for the brand. Um, but you know, Prior to the campaign, y'all have launched, what, 40 plus states in the past several months? Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, what has the awareness and the demand been like in those states as you get kind of further and further away from Texas? Yeah. So um, I think just to kind of even paint the picture for you all, our marketing to date has been really focused around a very targeted digital approach, and it has been very impactful for us. Um, every market that we've visited as we've been in this expansion, we go in to do these retail visits and more often than not, we hear um, the stores saying that they have consumers coming into the store because they saw an ad of ours on social media. Um, so I think that has continued to be very effective for us in a market that I think has been surprising. So we in the spring um, picked a market that we believed was probably the furthest in terms of a cultural fit and that being um, the Cape Cod, Massachusetts area. Um, and we wanted to do a test there. So we launched a bit early in that area, even though um, the rest of the East Coast has come at the end of the expansion to really start to understand um, you know, how it was resonating with consumers and what kind of messaging was working or not working. And surprisingly, you know, we've ended up being a top five brand in Massachusetts in terms of rate of sale. And so 
Um, I think that's just been a really good indicator in um, a market that has felt so different, but something that has really um, resonated with consumers there. And I think it's, you know, in part due to this being a brand and not just a product, but also the flavor proposition, I think is intriguing for people, especially when you start to see what I've called a sea of sameness um, in the category. So I think people are just ready to try something new outside of um, a lot of the existing brands. But other than that, I think it's been pretty expected in terms of performance, strong performance in the Southwest, Midwest, um, Nebraska, Montana have been top states for us. We're still scaling up distribution. So, um, you know, I think the next few months as we get into fall sets will be really indicative of the future. But um, early reads have been really positive. And do y'all have like a, a new number two market right now? I mean, Tennessee has still continued to be our number two. Right. They've actually really come into their own this year. I think that market had a lot of challenges. Um, you know, they had the tornadoes and then they had a big shutdown with COVID, especially in on-premise, but um, they have performed really well for us um, in this year. And then beyond that, um, it's been interesting to see, honestly, month over month, who's been rising to the top. And I think, like I said, in the next probably 60 days, we'll have a better indication of what that market mix um, will look like longer term. And then you kind of mentioned, you know, sea of sameness and, you know, all the talk in the beer industry right now is signs of a slowdown in seltzer. Does that concern you at all? Or do you see ranch water as a totally different proposition? So it actually has not concerned me that much. I know that it has been a very popular narrative lately, um, but I do think that you know, these vodka-inspired seltzers are kind of hitting a maturation point um, in the category. And I I think that as the category starts to segment into these different flavor profiles, like the agave-inspired flavor profile, I think that's where the incremental growth will start to come from for hard seltzer. And, you know, when we look comparatively at what's happened to spirits and how much tequila has grown, I think as you start to see that translate to hard seltzer, it feels like there's still a really big opportunity out there for this agave seltzer uh, ranch water category to continue to drive incremental growth. And beyond that, I, I did look at some Nielsen numbers this morning too. And in Texas, which has become a battleground state for ranch water and these agave seltzers, um, fiscal year to date, we actually found that the agave seltzer category contributed to half of the total hard seltzer growth. Um, and so I think that just shows, um, you know, how much potential there is in this emerging segment. Could I just interject in there? Because that's super interesting, you know, the agave angle and you mentioned uh, tequila and th that sort of thing. How much do you expect the trajectory of ranch water to follow tequila trends versus salsa trends? And then like, ultimately, how big could the ranch water category be? Because, you know, if you remember last year, we were like, ranch water is the next big thing. And a few people jumped in after you, of course. Um, but as we saw with seltzer, it took a while to actually get to share scale. So I know that's a bunch of questions, Katie, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, for ranch water, particularly, we're the first brand to have a national presence. Mm -hmm. So part of it is 
there hasn't really been um, any product or brand to compete with the larger vodka inspired products on a national level. Um, so I think that, you know, we obviously have our projections and guesses in terms of the size. Um, but I don't think that there's really a lot of certainty yet until we start to get um, some more data trends as we expand in a lot of these markets. But I do believe that it will be the next incremental growth driver for hard seltzer as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, who is your biggest competition at this point? Would it be like Carbock Ranch Water or maybe even one of the spirits-based brands that are getting bigger here in Texas? Or Yeah, I mean, um, in terms of, so like I said, Texas is a, a battleground state. Um, we obviously have had a lot of big players enter the space uh, throughout the spring and summer, Carbach, Heineken with Dosa Keys. Um, and it's been very interesting because we've maintained a pretty significant share gap versus that competitive set. Um, so I think while um, they are probably our direct competi- competitors when you're looking at this sub-segment, our aspirations are much bigger than that because we've already been leading this category and um you know, we, we want to grow well beyond that. Right. And just one more follow-up, um, and then I'll let Jordan mm-hmm. run point on it again. Um, you know, you talk about aspirations and I think there's probably a reason you went with Diageo. I have a feeling they weren't your only suitor. And of course they're a giant spirits company. So can we expect you to get into spirits eventually or? I mean, it's certainly been something that we have been exploring. Um, there is no, you know, concrete innovation in the pipeline right now that we can expect imminently. But um, I think that that would be a natural progression for us. I do think that, you know, when we look at the overall market, the RTD ranch waters compared to the hard seltzer ranch waters, it's still a fraction um, of, you know, even the dollar sales. And so I think, especially in Texas, where they're really limited on availability, there is an inherent challenge there. And until there starts to be, you know, an equivalization across the board, I think that that will be um, something that will prevent kind of larger growth for that overall segment. Yeah. Okay. So no real like significant difference between the spirits based or malt based just because of availability so far. Yeah. And it still is just like I said, it's a small fraction. So they aren't really that competitive in volume or dollar sales yet. Yeah. Um, I think there certainly could come a point when um, those that gap gets closed significantly, especially with any regulatory um, changes. But I, I don't think that that is going to be in the near term future. Um, and I, I also have a hypothesis that you know, consumers for the most part don't like the taste of alcohol or an overt taste of alcohol. And when you look at a lot of these RTDs, especially in the ranch water segment, um, especially the ones that are higher ABV, it's a very heavy handed dose of that alcohol uh, taste. And I think it just, you know, when you think about the proposition of a canned beverage, a lot of it is around, you know, sessionability and the types of occasions that you want a sessionable drink. And so when you start to take it into that place, 
I think you're working against what the inherent proposition is really meant to be. So, um, so yeah, I, mean, I think that's you're totally, I think theory. you're totally right there. Sorry to butt in I, <laughs> because I, 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 that's a, a point that I don't think is made, you know, there's a difference between taking a shot and drinking sessionability out of, out of a can. And, you know, when you, when you do, a tequila shot, you expect that burn and you expect that heat, but you don't, you don't expect it when you're opening up a, a, a can. And, and I think it does turn a lot of people off just because it may not taste bad. It's just the mm-hmm. expectation of what it's supposed to taste like is, is going to be a tough, uh, I think a tough, uh, a tough hill to take for, yeah. for some of these guys. So go. Yeah. And, and, um, so how much did you sell to for Giorgio? <laughs> Really coming out there. <laughs> yeah, I don't let me run a Dun and Brad Street. Of a, did people still do those Dun and Remember DNBs? That's how you figured out if a company was bankrupt or not. You run a DNB on them. That's before the. You were making a Daniel Bradford joke again, Harry. <laughs> no, <laughs> leave my boy alone. That's my homie. Um, now it, it. You know, you don't have to answer that question. I actually already know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to answer that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll leave that one alone. This isn't the Howard Stern Maybe show. Maybe one day over a few drinks. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right, well, uh, what else, guys? Um, well, you mentioned no concrete innovation on spirit space, but do you have any any other innovation that, um, I know you've teased it in the past. Yeah. Uh, anything you can share on that front? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of questions there about our brand and will we go beyond the ranch water category and what will that look like? And um, we do have an innovation that's teed up to launch next spring. Um, it is still in the agave seltzer category, and it's really, you know, looking to grow that category um, and leaning into another cocktail that was actually invented in far west Texas. So, I think there's a lot of things that made a lot of sense for us as we looked at that innovation and, um, you know, kind of looking to evolve beyond our ranch water portfolio today. So more to come. Can't say a lot yet, but I'm sure you guys can put some things together based on that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to be a nacho flavored? (laughs) Weren't weren't nachos invented in West Texas? A queso, a queso flavored. queso flavored. Man, I'm, I'm here for it. Just a can of queso. What a yeah, queso. It hits <laughs> different. <laughs> it's a hard sell. The ballparks all day. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, I mean, so you have four flavors at Ranch Water now, and I feel like another flavor. Then you have to create a whole new variety pack, <laughs> and then you might, you know, that variety pack might take share from your original variety pack. Does that, you know, are you kind of set with Ranch Water for now? Does adding more flavors kind of give you pause? Um, I think there's still a lot of opportunity for us to grow, especially in formats. Um, we just released a 19.2 this spring. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to grow in singles, especially as we look to focus on the convenience channel. Um, in terms of flavors, it's been really interesting because our variety pack actually has four flavors, but we only have three flavors in our six pack, but we use that fourth flavor as kind of a testing ground. Um, and our prickly pear flavor that you can only get in the variety pack has been a fan favorite. I think we get 
50 people a day asking how they can get a dedicated pack of that. So um, I think that is something that we will continue to explore is how can we, you know, smartly leverage that flavor mix in our variety pack to then develop further flavor innovation and kind of use that as a testing ground for the future. And you can kind of gauge that online as far as people saying, we like this flavor, we want this in its own pack. Is that, I mean, you just look at Twitter, Twitter and Facebook and and like, I mean, that's, I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's honestly come through a lot of channels. It's come through social media, our customer service, even a lot of our samplings um, when the consumers are trying it on the spot you know, I think one of the most consistent pieces of feedback is just how much people overwhelmingly love the prickly pear, which is surprising because in a lot of markets, I wouldn't have thought that that would be a flavor that people would be interested in because it's probably something they don't even know what that actual fruit looks like. (laughs) Yeah. Should make it purple. It's a a beautiful, (laughs) uh, beautiful pink bulb on a cactus, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, Okay. And, and, uh, let me just say that 19.2 is going to be a huge hit. So w- yep. whatever you're forecasting for that, Harry <laughs> Harry says double it. Because I I know these things. I don't know how I know, but I'm always right. right? I'll send the supply team a note directly yes. from you, Mary. <laughs> and you're, hey, and when y'all are out of stock on 19.2s, don't call crying to me. <laughs> yeah, All and right. it actually, it just went into the Tennessee Titans stadium last week for the football season. So it gives us another kind of opportunity to, to infiltrate um, some interesting high profile on-premise as well. Yeah, I was going to ask about on-premise. Is that something you guys are planning to be sizable or not really at this point? Yeah, I mean, to date, it's about 4% of our mix. Um, there's a market in particular that's been very interesting for us, which has been Nashville. Um, Lipman did a really good job of getting our product out there. And there were a lot of accounts that were early adopters and um, on-premise is actually 15% of our mix in Nashville. But I think, and it's almost become this, um, you know, kind of trial driving channel there because of how much tourism they see and people kind of looking to lean into that Western lifestyle and look. Um, So that's been an interesting case study for us and something that we've looked into replicating into some other markets. Um, And then the other place that we've seen some success has just been in some college markets. Um, One notable one has been Auburn, Alabama. Um, We've created a pretty avid fan base there. um, And that's helped us kind of start to infiltrate a lot of the on-premise and some of those um, popular college bars around there as well. Oh, just (laughs) jumping off that. What is the uh, proper way for a bar call? Of ranch water and the on-premise for low like river ranch order water. It? How would you go up to the bartender and order it? Yeah, because they could do a cocktail ranch water. They may have another ranch water. So for everyone that wants to order a lone river yep. ranch water, how are you kind of uh, telling, you know, these establishments and distributors, Hey, this is the way to promote this on-premise. Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest thing is just using our brand name, but Um, I think a lot of consumers will say a ranch water in a can and some of these bars where we've 
you know, had some early traction. When people order a ranch water, they immediately serve up our version of a ranch water. Um, but that's a really good point. I think that's something that we'll probably continue to keep an eye on as we get further into on-premise. That's a, that's an advantage of first, first mover. Yep. Advantage of, you know, I think your timing was pretty good getting with Diageo at the right time. So you can get that national exposure very, very quickly because there is going to be a mad gold rush already is on the word, on the phrase ranch water and whoever gets there first, you know, yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it you know, not to just here, here it comes. Old man, daddy, <laughs> old man, daddy anecdote. Old man, kinda, daddy. <laughs> I, I'm old man, daddy. <laughs> I just made that up. Right. It's, it's going to stick. Right. Best. No, it's, uh, you know, in the eighties, you go up to a, you know, you, get the, you go to a bar call and you say, I'll have a light. Mm-hmm. And they would just hand you a Miller light. And because, you know, they were kind of the first to come up with that, that name. And Bud Light had to, you know, Bud Light was the trailing brand. Miller Light was the big, big boy back then. Yeah. And that the way they combated it was with a TV ad campaign that says, you know, the guy goes, I'll have a light. And they hand them a, you know, a cannonball with a fuse in it, or they hand them a piece <laughs> of dynamite, or they hand them a lamp. You know, it was, it was a hilarious campaign. You know what? Oh, I want a Bud Light. It really changed the, the, interesting, the lexicon. Bar calls are important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there there's a there's kind of a theory that a first generation Latinx in this country, why uh, Coors Light really didn't do that well with them is because it was it was hard for them to say if they, if they mm-hmm. weren't proficient in English. Uh, Coors doesn't just roll off the tongue, and so it was a struggle for for them for a while. I anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I need to get Anomaly on the phone for our next um, on-premise campaign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can help well, me write the brief, Harry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm expensive. <laughs> Actually, I'm pretty cheap. Just a steak dinner. Um, well, thank you, uh, Katie Bill Brown. And this is uh, fun. We've taken enough of your time with this nonsense, <laughs> and uh, we'll be tracking your uh, your progress and. Um, and, uh, you know, call any time. We'd love to have you. Thanks for having me. And actually, I do have one question for you guys. Um, were you fans of Ryan Bingham before? Did you know who he was being from Texas? I, I knew who he was. I didn't know, like, I, I couldn't call him out of a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching Yellowstone right now, actually. I'm still nice. on the first season. So, yeah, I knew him. I knew he was on Yellowstone. And I just knew that. <laughs> or the best station or whatever it's called. <laughs> That's all I knew. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, just spoiler alert for Jordan. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. I don't know what season that was on. My bad. We'll uh we'll fix that in post. <laughs> we'll exit out. <laughs> So yeah, I think, I mean, that was cool. Like meeting him, I I love his music. I don't know if you guys have listened to it, but um, mm-hmm. he was one of the original outlaw country guys and a Texas country guy. And then obviously now, um, you know, his profile is raised as he's been on Yellowstone, but he's just, he's the real deal. I mean, he's, he can rope and ride with cowboys that are on the ranch every day. And 
that was just really cool to see. Cause I think you can get a lot of, um, you know, celebrities out there in that environment and they probably would just totally shut down given a lot of the dynamics. But, you mean um, like uh, you mean like Bruce Springsteen in, in, in a Jeep with a cowboy hat on lecturing us about, about climate change? Is, is that what you mean? <laughs> he almost got bucked off a horse on day one. So it's like, I don't think we could have really put anybody else on, on that right. horse or in that. Listen, Katie, I, I grew up on ranches. There isn't a horse docile enough that would still throw me off i've been thrown off little ponies that little girls ride like uh, and i don't know if it's them their contempt of me or vice versa or both but uh i treat now, I horses like i need like to get a, you out to the ranch so i can no but katie I, I i treat horses with the, the the contempt that they treat me it's mutual they're dumb animals <laughs> they don't like my smell or something plus i'm now i'm heavy so they're like, they look, they just take a look at me and they're like, no, sir. No, sir. Not for long. Uh, <laughs> so my grandfather got me a motorcycle. <laughs> He's like, Harry, you don't have a way with animals. So perhaps we'll just get you a piece of equipment. And he was right. I love, I've I loved that motorcycle. I mean, that's a pretty good look. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, I got some, uh, I got some, some cool pictures of me riding shirtless. <laughs> shirtless with a cowboy hat on you know back then uh, we didn't bother with helmets and all that bullshit oh yeah <laughs> um, so well hell we've uh kept you long enough thanks for being on thanks, guys. and uh thanks we'll, uh, thank you katie we'll run it tomorrow you guys all right Good take time. care bye bye